Good morning, everybody. My name is Corey Rosen, and you're listening to the Story Podcast. Today, I have on a super awesome guest, Mr. Matt Wheeler. Matt Wheeler is a Lancaster County PA-based troubadour, poet with a guitar, and a stage banter conversationalist. Matt's songwriting paints pictures with words, often drawing inspiration from classical works of literature or simply spinning new original stories and song. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing great, Corey. Thanks so much for having me on. Of course. So yeah. tell me, where did the music bug bite you? At what age and what was that like for you? Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like I've been a late bloomer on that uh, in lots of ways. Uh, the, I guess the condensed version of it would be that um, I, I first played music, made music of, of any kind, uh, I guess, besides singing in church, just like as a congregation member, it would have been like playing oboe in like third and really? seventh grade. Oboe. Yeah, my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Mitchell, said I should stick with it because, you know, there aren't that many oboe players around. I didn't so like seventh grade me wasn't feeling that, you know, long term perspective. But I basically didn't do anything musically until like high school. Like I did corral one year, senior year was still afraid of how my voice sounded, honestly, singing voice and uh, like, like wasn't confident in that. Then in college, uh, a lot of my friends were were musicians. Um, so when we when we would hang out, we'd go downtown and we'd go to like uh, you know, pawn shops and music stores. They'd be looking at like Marshall half stacks and talking about the, the pickups or the action on guitars. And so I slowly learned what they were talking about and picked up bass. Um, was writing poetry in college as well. And then uh, a couple of events basically made it to where I started playing six string guitar. Um, uh, one was seeing Phil Kagey live, which is the kind of thing that'll either make you want to do that or never try it. It was the first of those two for me. And then, uh, be, remember, I was a college college guy at this point, but I remember seeing there were three college girls who were, one was playing guitar and they were all singing, like raising change for their laundry, like outside the laundromat. Um, and they're playing the Oasis song Wonderwall specifically, I remember. <laughs> and I, I, just, I just remember thinking like, like, you know, I could do that and put it together. And so after I, so near the end of college when I was student teaching, um, I'd come home and I would, I would either, you know, imitate songs that, you know, getting guitar tab, because back in the stone age, we, we at least still had that. Um, you could find like the chords or whatever for your, the songs. Um, so I'm self-taught as a guitarist and uh, just sort of eventually got comfortable, um, you know, writing my own stuff and playing other people's stuff. And then after college, um, a bunch of his musical friends and I we were going to be the band for our friend Dave's uh, youth group. Um, he had gotten a job in North Carolina. We were all going to be the band to spend the week together. It was going to be great. Well, two of the guys uh, weren't able to make it. And Dave, who was one of these musical friends and played the bass, but doesn't sing, um, was, you know, it was like, like, all right, well, I'll play bass, but it looks like you're playing and singing. And I still was getting used to like the sound, like, you know, when you hear your voice come back, like in a recording or through speakers, um, I was still getting used to that. So uh, this is like 2003 or four. And, uh, but it went better than I expected. And, and I guess that was where the, the music bug bit me, so to speak, um, where I felt like, oh, like I could actually do this like in front of people <laughs> and, and it'd be good for everyone involved. And uh, yeah, like uh, we moved my wife, I met my wife shortly after that through eHarmony, actually. Uh, it was successful. We haven't been on any commercials, but, you know, it brought us together 16 years now. So anyway, so um, so we moved to Pennsylvania because her family is from this area. Um, was how we landed here. And then uh, I got involved with this event called The Gathering in Marietta, where, um, I, like, I sort of accidentally became, like, the de facto host and the front man for the house band, um kind of a long story how that happened but uh but yeah like i got a lot of experience learning on the job like how to 
um, how to interact with with band members, how to you know, confidently share original material, and uh, and basically like it sort of like took off a little bit from there. I played in coffee houses here and there. You know, I you know I lead worship music for about a decade at the church where I was at, uh, called Veritas in Lancaster, um, and uh, and I would you know, you know people started reaching out to me about playing after a while, and uh, yeah, like got to the point where pre pandemic I was playing probably like like 75 to 90 bookings a year, which with a full-time job is kind of tough bad, to yeah. do. And as a parent and a father and, and husband. So anyway, um, yeah. So it's all sort of like organically, like God just opened doors at various points. And I, I count the beginning of my music career, part-time music career, such as it is, as uh, this concert where I opened for Dennis and Whitmer, one of my favorite singer-songwriters uh, who's from this area um, back in 2012. And at that time I was 32 and it's like the age when people are like quitting their punk bands and starting families if they haven't already. Um, but I like that, like I already had like a stable family situation, become a dad. And, you know, we, our, our son was you know a few years old by that point. And yeah, like it just of those musical friends in college, I was probably the least likely that someone would have been like, like, oh, he's going to be, you know, interviewed for a podcast right, right. <laughs> all these years later or like people, you know, hiring him to, to, to play or lead worship music or, or what, what have you. So it's been an interesting journey that like, if you, if you told me when I was like your age that I was going to be doing it, I would be a little surprised, but so often that's the way, the way that God leads us. Absolutely. No, if, if I told anybody, if anybody told me that I would be hosting a podcast by myself, like not, by, by four years ago when i was still in college yeah i would have been like there's no way i don't have that, that kind of confidence oh yeah it, it's amazing how, how how god like leads us along and like how, how we can look back at things that we would have thought or said years ago and and kind of like want to go back to like our younger selves like pat ourselves on the shoulder and it's like like it's gonna be okay it's gonna get better <laughs> you're gonna do some cool stuff you don't even know about right now right so tell me a little bit about your songwriting process because it's kind of unique as opposed to uh, all the others that I've I've interviewed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I mean, I write lots of different kinds of songs, but uh, I gather you're probably talking about specifically like um, where where I write based off classic works yes. of literature. Um, yeah. So so like with my my, I mean, I have a pretty busy life as a do some factors I mentioned before. You know, like lots of good responsibilities, but um, like. So, so just waiting until like inspiration strikes or like a fully formed song just like uh, falls on me from the heavens like is is kind of hard to to count on. So it, it I find it really helps to have something specific to write about. And um, like you know if you go back to my work with Matt Wheeler and Vintage Heart so over the last eight or ten years, a lot of a lot of that is um, you know, there aren't that many of those uh, like uh, classical lit classic lit based songs in there, but there are some, there are two based on Les Mis and one of them is based on, um, the old man, the sea. So I just, I, I find that like taking a timeless story. Cause I like to read the books they make you read in high school and college, uh, <laughs> or like in the case of the wonder of it all, uh, album books like that, that those songs are based on a lot of them are ones you read as a kid, like the horse and his boy from the Chronicles of Narnia or the Hobbit. And a lot of those are ones I didn't read when I was a kid. I came to them as an adult and, so appreciate them on a different level, but um, I find that like, so it's really easy when you're writing to have this inner critic, um, you know, where, and it's also like, you know, how vulnerable do I want to be? Like how much of my own story do I want to tell? You know, um, I find that like, like putting yourself in the place of, of someone in a story um, or like retelling that story, like you end up, you end up investing a lot of yourself in that and your, your, your self shines through, but 
but it's it's kind of an interesting literary device to be able to like kind of filter it through that. And plus, so so generally speaking, I, I think the songs I've written that are based on like the horse and his boy or Les Mis or other things, um, like they're, they're, they stand up as songs in themselves, even if you have no idea about the stories behind them. But um, but that they're basically um, like, like they, they're even better. Like they have a they have a deeper meaning if you know the stories. Like if you read the horse and his boy and you hear Erebus. Like you can like picture scenes in your head and like, that's great. Or it might encourage you to want to read it too. But I've just found it to be like when I, when I was about to record wonder of it all, um, I talked to the producer, Chris Hoisington from brothers McClurg um, about what the next project might be like. And, and from our conversations, he, he basically gleaned, like, it sounds like, like the writing based on stories is like something you've done enough. Like what if we do a whole album where it's just that. And then like, you know, you like to interact with audiences. So why don't we do like these audio essay kind of kind of pieces that go uh, between those? Plus, they weren't going to charge me for recording the audio essay parts. So it made a five track album into a 10 or 11 track album. I had a poem, too. Um, so the process, as far as what it actually looks like when I'm writing one of these is usually I'll 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 read or usually it's reread whatever book it is I'm basing uh, a piece on. And I'll take some notes as I'm reading it, just like note out like some phrases that really stand out. Maybe page numbers are going to refer back, and uh, and like oftentimes I'll I'll have like some voice memos that I've recorded on my phone, just like going around the house or in the car, and like like a tune comes to mind. So I'll kind of like you know maybe I'll sit down with a guitar if I'm in the car or something. I might just like hit voice memo and just like hum it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then like so then then when it's time to like to begin writing on the song, like I'll. I'll put those pieces together and I have something to work with uh, rather than just sitting and just hoping that something happens. <laughs> uh, it's like I've got something to begin with. And, uh, and more often than not, um, that works really great. And so it's, it's, yeah, it's something a little different, I guess it's a little bit niche, yeah. but it's, but it's, it's worked really well for me. And so my next album is, is similarly based on classic works of literature, even more niche because it's based on Wendell Berry short stories, which, you know, you've probably read The Hobbit. You've probably read maybe The Little Prince and some of these other stories, but you might not have read anything by Wendell Berry. But it's, but they're so rich and good. And he's got this whole fictional uh, universe, kind of like a like a Kentucky rural version of the Marvel Comics universe, if you want. Like all these different characters who are main characters, then they're side characters, and someone else's story over the years. You see them young, you see them old. Um, so. So yeah, like I, I personally love those. And so, but again, it's something that I hope that the songs stand alone on. Like, even if you don't know the stories, you can you can just, just hear that three or four minutes of song and it's, it's something meaningful um, as well. So so yeah, I've, I've, I've kind of come by it. It's not like I sat down when I first started songwriting being like, this is what I'm going to do. It's more like I tried lots of stuff and this is one of the approaches that just seems to work really well for me. So that's that's how I wound up doing what I do. You'd be great at writing musicals. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I haven't tried my hand at that. I know a couple of folks who 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 have. Obviously, we have there's a musical theater program here yes. too. Um, but yeah, I appreciate like like I'm not like heavily into musicals, but I do appreciate how how like you know, I mean there are certain things you can communicate through song that if you said the exact same thing, it wouldn't it wouldn't, ta- it wouldn't, it wouldn't resonate the same way. Um Certainly, there's lots of places that I've like venues and things that I've played where I'll I conclude a lot of my shows with uh, with Prayer of St. Francis. Um, but if I like got up, you know, on a table in some of these venues uh, and and just like said the exact same thing, it might be received very differently. Yes. But singing a song, it's just and people are like whether they whether they resonate with what I'm saying or not, 
and though many do, it's like, 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 wow, like, like that's that's really beautiful. <laughs> so there, there are some things like music has a way of of reaching us, like kind of gets past our defenses and uh, and, and reaches reaches us in the heart, in the feels, if you will. <laughs> So we have one of, of it all that I imagine the title track of that last album. That's correct. It is. What? So what is this? I, I know you kind of dip, dibble dabbled into it a little bit, but what is it really about? The song itself? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, so it's a title track largely because uh, it sums up like, so all five of those story songs and the stories go with them are, are about the idea of recapturing wonder. Like when you're a kid, everything's wondrous, you know, like, one of my nephews has come over to our house before to help with gardening and like like he's like so excited like like <laughs> like like uh and you know like there'll be like a tomato plant and he'll check it and like for the first time that he's checked it like it has like a red tomato fruit on it and he's like he's like yeah charity that's my wife's name uh, there, like there's yeah, there's a there's a tomato growing here like it's like yeah that is pretty amazing <laughs> you know and like uh you know how often do we just like you know, we're dr driving somewhere and the, and the sun is setting and it's beautiful. We don't take the time to really consider it. So so the song, it, it draws on the G.K. Chesterton book, Orthodoxy, specifically the chapter, The Ethics of Elfland, which again is getting pretty niche, but uh, but it's also based a little bit on the the pretty, pretty strongly on the Andrew Peterson song, Don't You Want to Thank Someone. The idea of both is like, even if you don't have a theology in place, there are certain moments when you're encountered with nature and like, uh, in the song, I talk about like being before the Pacific Ocean, like before before dawn has happened. It's still dark out, can't see anything except for like the tips of the breakers and the moon and the stars. But like like the, the, the you can hear all the sounds and the smells and like it's like the majesty of creation that points to the Creator. So like there are moments that that you the that we encounter something like that. Like I imagine I haven't been to the Grand Canyon, but probably standing before the Grand Canyon or like other other natural wonders. Uh, or basically like like there are all these things that like 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 you're in these moments and you kind of you feel like you want to thank someone but you feel grateful but you don't know to who maybe of course as christians you know we know that, that we have a creator that we that we're we're grateful to but um yeah like it's so it's basically like there's a line in the song that says um every age you've ever been um remember when you were young and you never tired of the wonder of it all um so it's so it's contemplating the first verse is contemplating like sunrise and like the the world coming back to life like there's there's this line that might have been from rich mullins i don't i haven't been able to find the the source material but it's someone said like there's something about the morning that wakes the god who never sleeps and so i i referenced that line um in the in the first verse second verse i'm talking about that the time which was real in california in 2010 my wife and i visited there um and we hadn't seen the ocean and stopped on the way to the airport while it was still dark and and uh you know ankle deep in the pacific i'm like like whoa this is amazing and you know god thank you for this um so so yeah so it's, it's kind of getting at all of those at all of those things and just encouraging us to um to you know kind of like a stop and some all the roses kind of idea but yeah, it's right. but it's like but there there's so many like there's so much wonder in the mundane if we'll just appreciate it um i think of leslie bustard who i know just recently passed away but she wrote some beautiful poetry about like that was mostly like a lot of it was nature poetry based on things in her backyard like that like you know a backyard doesn't sound that exciting but like when you really stop and you're considering you know some of the things going on there um you know or just like appreciating how the light is coming in through the window and, and like falling on you know on your face so like it's 
yeah, like there, there's lots to have wonder about if you'll actually stop and consider it. Well, that said, this is Wonder of It All by Matt Wheeler.
And that was Wonder of It All by Matt Wheeler. So I had to ask you about the percussion because we were talking about a little bit a little bit before during the song. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's so Chris Weisington, the producer, uh from Brothers McClurg and Old Bear Studio. Uh he's he's definitely someone who loves a good concept and uh and so when we were talking about like he we were talking about making the album and preparing he was like you know what we ought to do like these songs are all based on on specific books stories we ought to get copies of the books like hardcover copies and we ought to make sure that we, we ought to do the percussion on those so, so steve Patton, the drummer uh did that and i i feel like that was maybe my favorite day in the studio in making that because like we were we had the books and we had like we were like okay what can we do with these books to make percussion sounds like in wonder of it all if you listen to it carefully there's like a like a, a drumstick on the hardcover copy of i think it was the little prince might have been collected chronicles of narnia anyway where it where it kind of like you know where we hear it kind of almost like it sounds like a snare hit but yeah. different um kind of kind of echoing and it, it's, it's like he's like hitting it and then like letting the stick just sort of like like freely move in his, in his hand so anyway point is like so there was that and uh it, there are other songs like the violet dark we there's to the core in the chorus we've got that was a collected chronicles of Narnia. i've got a video of where steve was uh steve was like like flipping through the book and clapping it shut flipping it clapping it to the rhythm of the of the chorus so we didn't use full drum kit on this particular album though there were little other bits like we had like a broken guitar with had like a broken neck i'm not quite sure why it was around the studio but it was and it, so we had one of the books and we're like kind of like scraping um the hardcover book against against that i think we even did like some whistling through some of the lyric sheets like yeah it was just like we're, we're like looking at the things we had it's like what can we do with these <laughs> to make some kind of interesting musical uh sound that will that will complement this so that's one of those kind of an easter egg to kind of go along uh with with like Basically, if you're listening to it, it's like, you know, you hear it and just that's cool. But like you listen more closely and you hear what I just said about, oh, that's on books. And you're like, oh, <laughs> so, I love when artists do that kind of stuff that, you know, like you dig a little deeper. It's like it rewards you for like investing in it and listening, you know, repeated times. So that was that was a really fun part of of that. And we did that to to some extent on the on the next album um, that we recorded and haven't released yet, too. So are you working on as a band or more of a solo project right now? Yeah, so well, so Matt Wheeler and Vintage Heart. I should back up a second and say it's it's an orchestral folk band. So mm. it's me and then uh, Caleb Brown on vocals and violin, and uh, Andrew Berg on cello, and uh, Sean Vago on drums. And uh, so we, for I don't know five or seven years pre-pandemic, we would pretty regularly gig all together. Um, but uh, even before, like I think last time we played all four of us together was in 2019. So it wasn't even because of the pandemic necessarily, like. Caleb and his wife, they they uh, had twins, then a third child, and then they moved to Georgia. Uh, so that makes it a little harder to all play together. So so wonder of it all, I made uh, like that's like it's build a solo project. Like if you look on, you know, for streaming sites, you'll find both Matt Wheeler and Matt Wheeler and Vintage Heart. Um, so that any of the work, the first like three albums, I guess, would be that I did. Uh, would be with the band uh, but but wonder of it all and also the next album which is going to be called a hard history of love uh, based on a wendell berry short story a line from one that i think is especially poignant um those are the, the projects with old bear studio are like they're ones that i'm doing um like it's they're solo projects so to speak like like there's a, clearly heard other things i don't play on right of course i yeah. wonder of it all but it's the the studio guys who are 
you know, creative geniuses um, who are like jumping in and like, you know, putting their stamp on these songs, but they're not ones I'm playing live with typically. So yeah, when I play live, it's almost exclusively um, me solo with a guitar, usually like a house concert or a church concert setting uh, where it's kind of like I'm inviting the audience in to like to sing along and like, uh, you know, to you know, basically talk back and forth. So basically like I'm because I'm playing solo, it's like, hey, why don't you guys join me in this? This is going to be fun. So uh, so that's my long answer way of saying um, like Wonder of It All and the next album are solo. And the, uh, the other projects before that were with Matt Wheeler and Vintage Heart. So tell me about the uh, why orchestral folk. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mentioned that Dennis and Whitmer gig that I played um, some time ago um, in 2012. And uh, like for that particular one, I I don't remember exactly why. But I, so my friend Andrew, who plays cello and was we were at the same church at the time, too. Um, we like we, we you know, we would play coffee houses and things. He would join me occasionally when he could. Um, but I was thinking like, so I was thinking he would join me for, for that gig, just an opening set. Um, but then like, I was trying to think of, okay, so is there someone who could play violin too? Cause I mean, I really like strings, I guess is the short answer. Like that's, uh, but, but like where it started, why we started doing that as a band is, um, I, I thought of asking my friend Taylor Brandt if he could do it, but, uh, I think if I remember correctly, it was his wife's birthday that day, totally understandable reasons to not play. Uh, and so I, so I reached out to someone I had met at, 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 that that event called the gathering where, where we had an open mic part he played there like twice so we were facebook friends but didn't really know each other but when the three of us andrew and caleb and i got together and it was like the guitar and the and the violin and cello to practice for that that gig like it felt like whoa i think we have something here and the and the two strings guys really hit it off and we're all good friends this day but um yeah it just felt like something that made sense and uh adding the drums like Sean is someone who I also went to church with and, and he frequently would join me. So Matt Wheeler and Vintage Heart for a while was like Matt Wheeler and friends, basically. Right. Like uh, that's when, when I played at Chestnut Hill Cafe one time downtown, um, I, I wound up uh, like I like I was just billed as Matt Wheeler. But then like it was me and three other people. So they put Matt Wheeler and friends on the marquee the little chalkboard thing they have there. And so I was like, we need a band name. So I put it to an online vote. And I had a bunch of different ideas, but uh, but Matt Wheeler and Vintage Hearts won that that won. And and it wasn't too long after that. Oh, Matt Wheeler and the Spokes was also that was actually tied for the same number of votes. But I, I cast my own ballot in favor of Matt Wheeler and Vintage Heart named after one of my songs. But Matt Wheeler and the, Matt Wheeler and the Spokes could be a band name I still use at some point. Right. It's kind of fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like but but. <laughs> It solidified into a more regular lineup because like those are the guys who are able to join me more regularly. I wanted the strings sound. And so so for, for some years that was that was like the core band lineup. So uh, I mean I just I really enjoy strings, you know, on the on this next album. Wonder Vell doesn't have so much by way of strings, but the next album has has quite a bit of violin on it, um, which which I love. So so yeah, I, I knew people who could do it and uh and, did <laughs> and we were available and I liked it and and I thought that it worked really well. So so earlier projects, early recordings, especially the Matt Wheeler and Vintage Chart self-titled album 2017 with a lion on the cover. Um you can you can hear the the full sound of that. Well, and we have one of your songs from from that era too, Averis, which you mentioned was a part of a, a oh, book as well. Well, so Erevis is actually also from Wonder of It All. I'd like so uh so that's okay um no uh yes yeah, so erevis that's the name of one of the uh one of the human main characters of the horse and his boy um so i'm trying to think i played that with with andrew berg 
or on cello. So, so it kind of still works for years, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah. So that, that one is um, that that's, that's one of the songs where like, unlike wonder of it all, like I'm pretty directly telling like sort of a summary of like the whole story. Like it's supposed to be sort of an epilogue. It's like the two main human characters looking back on their adventures together when they were younger um, during like the adventures during the, the course of the horse and his boy so um so yeah that's one that that is a semi-recent song it's apparently a viennese viennese waltz i knew it was in three four but like someone told me at one of my gigs like like i think it was after a church concert someone was like like oh so you know like that's technically a viennese waltz i guess the way that i you know the the tempo or the way that i picked it so it's like if anyone wants to like viennese waltz to that one they totally can but uh yeah it's it's a love song um it's about like like uh you know long lasting enduring love like i tend when i write love songs they tend not to be like like a uh, pop bubblegum type of songs or or like uh taylor swift breakup songs like it's more about <laughs> because i started music after i you know was already in you know a, a good committed marital relationship like like i kind of don't relate to like there was a time when i was listening to dashboard confessional and all the heartbreak stuff was like that I totally resonated, but not right. not these days. So yeah, so I write a little more of like the aspects of love that I know. Um, I guess everyone to some extent writes what they know, but that's that's a way that I do that. So anyway, so that's a little bit about air of this. Well, let's take a listen to it. Sure. <laughs> on her she dawned like a dream on a fine-blooded mare a voice in the trees the both they were running he a peasant and poor she would be a queen he had a name and his horse she was a lark midst the lindens and pines she was a fire in the dead of the night I won't let us die on the vine No, I won't let us run out of time No, I can't get you out of my mind Oh, we've come so far Oh, love, don't lose heart Remember those days so young and so brave First time she remembered Her heart turned toward his He stood between a lion And her shaking fists Her life flashed before her And reeled in the reins He made her a promise She made safe away Run out of time, no, I can't get you out 
so young and so brave once and always A promise that weathers the lashing of the rain and the wind Brave like a song unfolding in song Unfolding in song once again I won't let us die on the vine No, I won't let us run out of time no, So you have you've released a a, a a new single recently. I did. Tell me what's what's all that about. So um, so I so I'm friends with Stephen Courtney, who I understand is a two time guest yes. of the Story Podcast, and uh, so he well he produced uh, he produced the uh, the Matt Wheeler and Vintage Charts self titled album. He produced uh, a couple of singles, Harbor, and also our cover of Fix You, Gold Play song, but um. Yeah, the last the last couple Christmases, uh, like between Christmas and New Year, Thanksgiving and New Year's, like for whatever reason, it just worked out for us to like get together and like record something. So, uh, so we decided to um, we decided to uh, like so last year, not last year, end of twenty one, um, I decided to to record my son's favorite song, uh, which is "I Don't Want to Live on the Moon," which is a, it's a it's a song that that Ernie sang on Sesame Street. Um, you might have like. There have been various iterations, so I grew up with it, but there might be a version that you grew up with too. Um, is it like a like cartoon version? Anyway, um, so so we recorded that and released it, and so then we came around to like the holiday season this last year. Uh, we got to about Thanksgiving. I was like, "Hey, Stephen, would you have time to to do some recording?" Because like I had there was a song like so. In, I guess it was in November. I was on the way to um, to Hutchmoot. It's the the Rabbit Rooms annual conference. It's the first one since the pandemic that was in person, the first one I had been to. But I, I, I don't know if I was shuffling through Spotify or something, but like, I ended up listening to the the Gonzo song, I'm Going to Go Back There Someday, from the Muppet movie, which is one of my favorite films ever. It's about the same age as me. Um, so, but there's a line in there where he, where he says, yeah, there's not a word yet for old friends you've just met. And so... I love that idea that like sometimes you, you resonate with people on this deep level. And so when I got to Hutchmoot, um, there were a lot of people I'd met online only. Some I'd seen in person before, some that I had never met in my life. But it seemed like to a person like like there was this resonance and like it was like we were old buddies, even if we had never met before that. Um, so so in the month or so after that, I was, I was like, hey, Stephen, um, I was thinking maybe recording this particular song. And it just so happened as another you know, Muppets Jim Henson related song. Uh, but uh, I say it just so happens, providential probably. <laughs> anyway, so so the song had been on my mind, and and you know, Stephen does kids and family music in addition to you know the music for grown-ups. So so he uh so he was about it, and he has always got great ideas. He can play all the different instruments. So so on the recording, I played guitar, my classical, I believe, and uh and then also sang, and I think that he did pretty much everything else. I might have done like a harmony vocal in there, um, but 
so so yeah like i love the way it came out it's like kind of like with the story songs it's like there's like like if you know the story behind it like there's all this additional meaning and like the feelings that those you know books make you feel um with this it's it's based on a song from a movie of course but um but yeah like <laughs> like i've had people say like like they listen to it and it was like like they got all these like like strange and wonderful nostalgic feelings from <laughs> from, from listening to it but but the fact is like like i also recognize while it could be seen as a kid's song and it works well for that like you know, I did an interview with uh, Lisa Landis for Kids Cookie Break, um, and, and they played this song, and it works great for that. But it's just a good song too. Um, like, like it, it fits in like a folk playlist too, and especially for people who are such an age that they would know the tune. But even if they don't, like, just like with like kind of recurring theme here is like, like yeah, like I have something specific that I'm trying to say with these songs, but uh, it's something that I'm like drawing on. But like, if people don't necessarily like know the references i hopefully they can still like listen and it still still comes across as a good song that has some meaning to it um this is one that like like i don't know if if paul williams and was it uh kenny asher i think were the ones who wrote this song like i don't know if they had any ideas of making it about like heaven or the new creation or anticipating any of that but there sure are some vibes in there i, I suppose that with you everyone every person being made in the image of god there's the the there's always the possibility people make like interesting redemptive work, even if they have no idea that's what they're doing. Right. <laughs> and maybe those guys are Christians. I don't know. Um, but it's a delightful tune and and one that I that I've come back to a bunch of times in the last few months. So so uh while Gonzo's version is wonderful, I was like, I think I'd like to make my own version that's it's a little different, it's slightly faster than the movie version. It's uh as he as it gets going, it actually has a little bit of swing to it. Mm. Um but yeah, it's just a great little tune, and I was I was happy to like. It's also not a tune that everyone and their brother has has covered. Um, it's 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 definitely right. <laughs> like you could if you went to Spotify, you'd find a few people who have covered it, but not that many. Uh, so so it just felt like like hasn't been overdone. You know, I, these are the reasons why I've really been enjoying the song, and and Stephen can do some really beautiful things with it. So so we we released it in March, and. Uh, so it's 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 the freshest uh release that I have at this point. So let's give it a listen. This looks familiar, vaguely familiar, almost unreal yet. It's too soon to feel yet. Close to my soul and yet so far away I'm going to go back there someday Sun rises, night falls Sometimes the sky calls Is that a song there? And do I belong there? I've never been there, but I know the way I'm going to go back there someday Come and go with me, it's more fun to share We'll both be completely at home in midair We're flying, not walking on 
on featherless wings We can hold on to love like invisible strings There's not a word yet for old friends who've just met Part heaven, part space Or have I found my place? You can just visit But I plan to stay I'm going to go back there someday I'm going to go back there someday That was Matt Ruler's rendition of I'm going to go there someday. Yeah, going to go back there someday. It's such a good tune. <laughs> good to hear it again. So, um, so um, tell me a little bit about, uh, just, uh, we're going to go into a time of questions I like to ask all of my guests. So mm-hmm. what is one of the uh, most influential advice that you have ever heard given to you? Um, man, I feel like there's lots of things. Uh, one of them that sticks with me that I've repeated many times was uh, from the, the Decemberists lead singer, uh, Colin Malloy. This may not be a verbatim quote, but um, I saw him play a solo show one time over towards Philly. And it was something like, like, uh, like when asked what advice would he give young songwriters? He says, uh, like, like make forgetting the words to your songs, part of your charm and you'll go far. Like it, the idea, like, like when you, um, and I saw this lived out one time when I was in college. Uh, I remember I saw a third day play one of several times I saw them play. I couldn't tell you much about the concert, except that one of the things I remember specifically is that Mac Powell couldn't remember the, the lyrics, to the third verse of his song. Uh, and so they get to the third verse and he just sings something like, and I can't remember the third verse of this song, something like that. And like, you know, he's smiling and laughing. His band is like, you know, playing along and the whole audience just laughing and having a good time. And then he, then he picks back up like the chorus or something, but it was like, the he handled it like a total pro. And like, like that was a, like when I started playing music so often I would, I would be like petrified that I was going to drop a chord. I was going to, uh, you know, get the lyrics wrong somehow. And, but so, so often those things I would beat myself up about, like I would like point them out to people who were like, otherwise paying me kind words afterward and they would be like, oh, I didn't even notice that. So so you realize, like, just keep rolling. Like, the show must go on. Yeah. And it's like, uh, like most of those things, like, people aren't going to notice all of those really fine details, unless it's an egregious mess up. But if that, then you just handle it like Mac Powell and just, like, laugh it off. Like, oh, uh, and, but because an audience tends to react the same way that, that you do. That you do. Yeah, they mirror. If you're, like, flustered and you're nervous, like, they're going to, like, kind of feel nervous for you. But if you kind of roll right through it and it's like no big deal or you just make a joke of it, if it's something that was noticeable, like that's like 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 that diffuses so much of the nervousness. So um, it's just so much better. And yeah, so that that definitely is that's one piece that comes to mind off the top of my head. So as a as a musical artist, what is one thing you have yet to do that you want to do still? Oh, wow. Um, Well, let's see. I, I mean, I feel like there are like some like like music gig booking stuff 
that I'd like to do. I know years ago I had said like like I like to play the NPR Tiny Desk concert. <laughs> like I, I I've been in the contest before, and I don't know. Like that would still be cool if, if they called. I would go, but um, playing in, as part of the local show um, for the Rabbit Room, it's like the songwriter round that they do several times a year would be amazing, and maybe could happen at some point. It feels like not way out there as far as a goal. Um, yeah, I mean like I. Like, I don't know that I have like a lot of like, I feel like it's like a step by step, like so much of what's unfolded already. It's not like 10 years ago, I had this specific plan. Now I'm just checking the boxes off. It's more like, we're like, I, like I take the next step as God's leading me. And then like, like, like a door opens. That I didn't even know was there. Like as though it's secret passageway, you know, like uh, one of those opened up recently was like, I didn't have designs on being like a kids and family musician, but like it's worked out to do an artist residency now three years in a row at Donegal Primary School and being this character that I've made called Mr. Matt. He always wears the exact same outfit and plays <laughs> and does and does these uh, these musical parts called uh, Music Mondays with Mr. Matt, Matt, Matt. Uh, so like that's something I never saw coming, but it came out of the pandemic. Actually, it was virtual at first. And uh, so that that's sort of a, <laughs> my way of avoiding directly answering that question, because, yeah, I mean, well, I guess I did mention a few things, but like. Like, like, like there, I'm sure that like, I feel like so, some of the cool stuff, like if you ask me again, like 10 years from now, like what are some things that was really cool? Like in 2023, maybe I don't know about those things yet. Uh, so, so yeah, being on the local show would be great. Um, you know, playing even more house concerts, which I love um, and are right in my wheelhouse. would be great. Those feel like attainable potential goals like could happen. But uh, yeah, as far as like bigger stuff, like, I don't know. And there's a lot of room with with a music career between being like playing songs just in your own house and and being like a household name right i think sometimes people assume like like oh you know you can sing you should be on the voice you should be on american idol you know like oh you should be famous it's like well there's a lot of working musicians a lot of people you've interviewed who are you know who are, who are putting in the work and making We're fantastic making, making good art and you know, honoring god with their giftings and yet you know like they have like a, as Alan Levi, who's also a singer songwriter, said, like he talks about his microscopic but avid fan base. Mm. It's like, like it can be sometimes it's better just to have you know, like, like rather than to be, be fans. yeah, yeah, but better to have like like certain like like you know, people who get what you're doing. You just keep on doing that niche thing you're doing, as opposed to trying to be everything to everyone and and try to become a household name and maybe having no success at it. It's like like being content with what you're given, you know, being faithful with what's in front of you. Um, is is so key and I, I feel like the older i've gotten the more i've been like willing to lean into that so how does god play in the music creation process um well i mean so so pretty much any like I, i've numerous times like had well lots of different ways but uh <laughs> but uh like and throughout you know i'm soaked in in god and 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 my christian faith um i've had times where i played sets of music where none of them were my really like i have some songs that are much more obvious about the fact that i'm a christian but sometimes i'll play like not play those songs or just play others and people ask me afterward like like yeah like like you a believer like like it sounds like it's like yes and i'm glad that comes through um and of course there's sometimes where it's really obvious you know i lead worship music um various places and it's kind of interesting i don't actually lead worship music at my own church because it's lcbc Mannheim, and there's no lack of people who are doing wonderful work at that <laughs> And we, we kind of caught on end of 19 right before the pandemic. So even if I was going to go for that and maybe someday I'll like play a supporting part in some of that. But but what, what's that? we do that on Saturdays as a family. And then Sundays, 
you know, I happen to have available. And I've had numerous people from different churches, much smaller churches generally, uh, reach out about like, hey, can you take a week here or there? Or we lost our worship music leader. Um, and it's like, well, I've got these skills. And, you know, from 10 years of leading worship music you know, elsewhere, like I can easily come in and help you all with this. Um, and some of them have been recurring, recurring things. Some of them were like one-offs, but so the kind of itinerant pinch hitting, uh, leading worship music, um, like that's, that, that's a where, that's a place where like God is very obvious in it. Like when, when my, when the job I'm hired to come in and do is, is like, well, the way I see worship music leading is like, I see worship as being more than just music, which is why I keep saying worship music leading. Um, it's kind of synonymous these days. Like if it's worship, it's music, but uh, the point is like, like I see it as like, I'm there to, um, to, to give God glory through, you know, worship him through music and to point other people to doing that. It's not, it's basically like, Hey everyone, let's do this together, which also matches the vibe of what I do with my concerts. But it's like, Hey, we're gonna do all this, this thing together in this case, worship God. Um, and it's not like, like, Hey, everyone, look at me, watch, watch me do this. It's, it's intended to be like, 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 Hey, we're all in this together. Um, I I've chosen the songs and I'm kind of giving the cues what we're doing, but we're doing this together. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's you know, God. And another way is that, you know, God keeps opening all these doors that I, I would never have imagined. Like the whole thing, like, you know, the whole, the fact that music and performing it regularly, um, ha has become like an inter integral part of my life. I never would have guessed that. And God just keeps opening these doors, keep taking the next steps. And then like, there's all kinds of cool surprises that <laughs> have waited. Um, so so much of it's just being willing to, 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 to follow God's leading. And so it's continuing to try to, to try to recognize where he's leading is a big part. So you mentioned that worship isn't just music. What is worship to you? So, uh, Matt, Matt Redman in the song, uh, the heart of worship says, I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself. is not what you have required. Like it's so much of it, like worship it, like music and worship, like there's a reason why it's gotten to be synonymous because that's a powerful way of aligning ourselves and centering ourselves for God. And I wholeheartedly am for that. I've written a number of worship songs myself, but um, like it's, it's an entire lifestyle. Like when Jesus says, follow me, he's talking about like, like come follow, do what I do. Um, you know, that's why the disciples were by his side for three years. And um, like, like, you know, it's like, like they're being apprenticed, you know, it's like, like the things that God does the way that, the way that Jesus interacts with people. Like, I'm not saying like all every day I'm like, you know, healing lepers or lame people, but, but like in the love that he showed to people and, you know, as Christians, you know, he's living through us. And so, so that should be evident. So, so yeah, like there are lots of expressions, but like being kind to your neighbor is a really important way, um, <laughs> you know, helping people who are needy, you know, someone has a need and you can help meet it. Like uh, you can do that in Jesus name. And that, that is worship too. I mean, and so is hearing the word in church. So is um, being a good friend. So is leading worship music from a stage. I mean, that's all part of it. So I, I just feel like confining worship to just being music is just too narrow of a definition. Like, like yes, it is that, but, but that's like you're excluding all kinds of other things if, if that is your whole definition of what it means to worship God. So, so where do you find yourself most in tune with God? Um. I'd say, well, like oftentimes it is through music. All of what I just said, <laughs> I mean, it is true, but I mean, like whether it's that I'm playing it or I'm in a service, like I recently attended the sing-along tour that Matt Marr and Leland Mooring and, and uh, Bill Wickham did. And uh, just to be part of like a few thousand people like worshiping God through song was powerful. 
Um, I find nature is is off like and and like recognizing the wonder in the mundane, which again is why the wonder of all album is about that. Um, it is some is a place where I encounter God um, through really through beautiful words. I love to read. I mean, at this point, yeah. me, if anyone's <laughs> listening to this point, they recognize I enjoy reading. But but part of it is because like language is is beautiful, and uh, because God's made it so. He's Saint John, you know, characterizes Jesus as the Word or mid flesh. Um, so so yeah, all of those things. <laughs> And then one of the last questions I'd like to ask, ask all my guests, what is one of the worst or funniest thing that's ever happened to you on stage? Oh, man. Um, I feel like there have been plenty of ridiculous things, but, man. Um, let's see. Um, I've had plenty of times where I've been background music, basically, where no one's paying any attention. And those tend to not be great experiences. I this is Well, one comes to mind, and maybe a better one will come to mind as I'm saying this, but... I just remember one time we, that my my band and I it was it was two of a two of the guys along with me were scrambling to get to a gig in downtown Philadelphia and uh, and like my car overheated and and like getting off the turnpike and we somehow limped into Philadelphia parked in a parking garage like we were in an elevator where like like it was the tiniest elevator I've ever seen and we had like all of these we had you know Sean has drum kit or the smaller version but still like it was barely big enough for two people and we had three people and all of our gear. And uh, somehow we we made it there and played. I think it was right outside. It was for Make Music Philly, and it was uh, during the. Uh, um, uh, anyway, it was it was a Hard Rock Cafe in Philly, I, if I remember correctly. Anyway, yeah, that was. I feel like there are so many stories where it's like, like, like I don't know how that even ever came together, but, um, but somehow it ended up working up in the end. Um, man, as far as like strange and funny stuff, like I feel like I'm drawing a blank otherwise. But that was that was one like. Like the the unglamorous life of <laughs> the independent musician sometimes was uh, was in full effect. So there's lots of other times where I've been like playing. Oh, I remember playing at Launch Music Conference. Maybe the first year we did it, first or second. And yeah, this yeah I did think of like a better one. Uh, I remember we were, we were supposed to be outdoors and and it was going to be beautiful. But then like there's a forecast for rain, so the the, the promoters like the they moved it indoors to what was supposed to be like an atrium, but it was like right outside. It was like a big hallway right outside of where the metal venue was. So I'm playing like this song, like a lullaby for my son, like, you know, summer came and it. And then like, it was generally fine. It was like only a dull roar from the, uh, the, the metal venue, but someone would open the door and like all of a sudden it'd be like, <laughs> and, uh, and like I, I was practically like then the door was shut and it'd be back just the dull thuds in the background and I was kind of like wow this was like not our <laughs> like we had some people listening and they had a sound system set up for us but clearly the bleed over was not accounted for and here we're like these these you know sensitive thoughtful songs with strings and uh, and with, with you know so you're gonna hear that and then you're gonna hear like little splashes of metal screaming uh, and and drumming in the background it was. Yeah, that that was definitely one that stood out as like <laughs> not not one of our our greatest uh, scenarios, but like it's it's funny looking back at. It. Yeah, so it's really funny to list thinking about that whole situation, just a little oh, yeah. bind and just. A... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't quite suit, but uh, you know, I mean, again, the show must go on. Of course, yeah, <laughs> we've been dealt, and uh, we had, and I will say for launches launches credit, we we in. In future years had had some really great sets including one that someone who took a great photo of us um 
it was nine years ago. He shared it with me. Came up, came up on memories, I guess. But um, so yeah, there were lots of other times where it was better. We had a better idea what we were doing, but also like we're in a better setting. So anyway, that was that. That's a little bit of the sometimes very unglamorous life of, <laughs> of someone playing music. So where can people find you and your music at? So uh, all the different streaming and download services. I think literally all. I think we're on Pandora now. Anyway, so uh, if you look up Matt Wheeler, um, I, I know in the show notes you've got uh, some links, including for Spotify. Um, yeah, so if you want some of the, the older stuff that has this, uh, more pronounced strings, that's it's Matt Wheeler and Vintage Heart. But if you if you you search it and find a bearded face um, in the picture along with it, it's probably me. Probably. Um, more than likely. And um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I'm on uh, Instagram, if you, the, and well, on Twitter too, but I almost never use that. But more, more often Instagram, Matt Wheeler, VH. Um, yeah, and so uh, any of those places, you know, the next album, uh, The Hard History of Love, like I'll be I'll be posting about that and the Kickstarter campaign leading up to it. Um, so yeah, people can can follow along. I'm friendly, so they're welcome to uh, to do so. And and um, yeah, so that it's not hard these days to to, to find, but if, especially if you search Matt Wheeler and Wonder of It All, you'll you'll find you'll find me all the different places. Well, my name is Corey Rosen. This has been the Story Podcast. You can find me at CoreyRosenProductions.com. We have a, a great week ahead of us. This first uh, Monday of May, May 1st, that is, will be our first ever singer-songwriter uh, session. I don't know if I've, I've told you about this. I don't think so. So what I'm doing is I'm getting three or four other musicians in this studio, and the challenge is to write a song within an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I've got a lot of people, including Stephen Courtney, also interested in this. Yeah, uh, and it's going to be a, a really great challenge. And we have that day Anthony Paracini, uh, Liam Galliano, and Ronnie Shank together. We're gonna there are two instrumentalists and a vocalist, and we're gonna see what we can come out come up with out of that. And I'm really excited for some of the some of the future ones. We have two metal artists and a spoken word artist, and we're gonna see what what comes out of that. You know. Why not? It, why not? It's just a great <laughs> opportunity for us to collaborate and to work on something together as a community because there are there's not a shortage of talent in this area. Yeah, that's very true. This Tuesday we have Chris Strayer from Stray coming in to to talk about uh all he's the guy who set up this and he sets up a lot of everything around in this area. So I'm really excited to talk to him and, and his company and how he you know got started on all of that. This Friday, uh next Friday, that is. Uh, we have Mariah Corley coming on the show. She's a, a, a classical pianist and, and composer from the area, and I'm really excited to talk to her and all the things that she's got going on. And then that next Saturday, uh, we have a rapper from the Harrisburg scene coming over, Lodi Lodi. And then our second singer-songwriter uh, studio event at 4 o'clock. So I'm really excited to share both of those with you guys. With all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day, and we will see you guys later. Bye.